We have another question, a final question. This is via old school email, you know, not Instagram, right? They're doing it the old fashioned way. Uh, this, the comment is, hi, your grace. I am just wondering. Wait a minute. I just want to pause for a minute. <laughs> Let's just think about what Jenny just said. Email old fashioned, right? Well, old fashioned old school. Did I the, say old fashioned? I said old school. You know, I think it's a little more gentle. Uh, even so. I, I mean, don't know. Old school, old fashioned for me is the rotary telephone. There you now, go. Now, well, we you could set up what, one of those. What you are called upon to say right now is what's that? I thought you were going to say what I'm called upon to say is I'm sorry, your grace. <laughs> <laughs> Grace, it's good to be back in the studio with you. Good to be back too. Yeah. What have you been up to for the last couple of days? What have I been about? Yeah. What's what's going on? <laughs> uh, you know, whenever that question gets asked, all I can think of is meetings. Just, just meetings. Just lots I've of meetings. To, I think, you know, yeah. I don't know if you ever met him, but yeah. predecessor here was uh, Archbishop Joseph McNeil, one of my oh, yes. predecessors. What a great guy. And he said, you know, he, he almost entrusted me with this. He said, when I die, I want the epitaph on my tombstone to read, he went to meetings, right? So, <laughs> he showed up. <laughs> he showed up. So, but no, we just had um, we just had the Archbishop's dinner, right? That yeah. was last Friday. What a what a joyful, joyful really thing! Twelve hundred people came together and just wanted to be grateful to God for mm-hmm. all the gifts that God has given to us, and then and then um, uh, just the all all the other things that have been unfolding ever since. Just mm-hmm. that's that's been really good. But again, just. A lot of meetings. Yeah, lots. Your keynote talk at the Archbishop's Dinner, mm-hmm. which was uh, last Friday at the time of this recording, you were you talked a lot about how we live in a very anxious and often hopeless age, and that our calling as Christians is to proclaim hope. Yeah. I was so inspired by that. Oh, I, I was all fired great. up after oh, hearing you preach. It well, it's great. always been, it's always been our call. Right? The, the yeah. gospel is the message of hope. But you know, you and I and others, we just keep hearing from everybody. Man, where do I find hope right now? It just seems so dark. And then just have these things that are happening globally. That, that just, oh my heavens, how do we ever get beyond all this? And and we just we just have to keep reminding ourselves that uh, God has the last word, right? The God of life, the God of love. And trusting in that and trusting that he's not leaving us alone. He's with us as he promised. The Lord told us he's with us till the end of time. He's our hope. And we just have to keep coming back to that. We have a, a, a shorter and, and fun episode today, just fun. answering, okay. well, fun for me anyway. I uh, guess we'll see how it goes for you. Should I be <laughs> <laughs> no, you shouldn't be nervous. No worries. Uh, we're, we're answering uh, questions from different listeners. We have listeners. We have, we do. Hey. We have quite a few, actually. Oh, very good. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so from YouTube, from Instagram, and over email, we've had different mm-hmm. comments about episodes that we've done in the past. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I'll just I'll read off one question um, for from YouTube, and this sure. this question is regard in regards to the synod. We just did an episode on the synod oh, and synodality, some of the anxieties around that, and the the comment goes: Archbishop Smith goes at great length to call this a global synod, mm-hmm. but it's hardly a global synod when one percent, if not less, of Catholics are actually involved in this synod. Uh, all others don't care or don't know why they were invited to the synod in the first place. So it seems that this this particular comment is really highlighting. It's true that statistically, a tiny, tiny oh, percentage. No, it's, a, it's a fair point for sure. I mean, globally, um, it's in the sense that it has been happening all over the world, right? In dioceses around, 
Uh, the uptake certainly has not anywhere near been as much as uh, people would have wanted. And I think the 1% is probably accurate. So that has to give us pause right, in terms yeah. of assessing whatever is said and, and the directions that may come from that. A little bit uh, concerned about the point of many don't care. I, I would worry about that. Um, we need to care about the mission of the church. And this is one way in which uh, the Holy Father is asking us to engage it. Uh, the final point about, what was the last one about? Last uh, point, uh, not, they don't know why they were invited. People don't know why they yeah, were invited. Okay, and that's, 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 if that's the case, we have to hear that seriously because that's obviously a communication breakdown. This is this, uh, the Holy Father has made this uh, clear that this is a priority for him. Mm-hmm. And so if that has not been clearly communicated, that's something that's got to get looked at. So I, I appreciate that feedback. I wonder if part of the concern about only 1% of people uh, participated in the in the local aspect of the synod, I wonder if part of that concern comes from the fact that there's uh, a comparison to democracy, right? If only 1% of the population votes, that is a terrible election, right? But the synod, uh, it's not a democratic situation, right? Yeah. Um, I still think there's something worrisome about it, um, not so much from the democratic point of view. But we do. We would want as much involvement as possible in something like this, and, and that's obviously very, very low. Mm-hmm. Um, want to hear voices now? The consolation is that even among those few uh, that did speak, um, lots of commonalities in what was said. Whether that was here in the diocese, in the various instances of it, or what did what did uh, Eugenia tell us? How many different listening sessions? Three hundred and some, or something. So a lot of involvement in that sense, even if the absolute numbers were low. But there was a there was a commonality emerging, which seemed to find echoes at the national and international levels also. So low participation, which is disappointing, at the same time, what seemed to have been emerging were some commonalities that we can pay attention to. Yeah. All right. So we have another question from Instagram. Okay. So we did we did an I don't episode. Think I've never even been on Instagram. That's, that's pictures. Or I love that. I love yeah. that you've never been on Instagram. That is, it's like a whole mysterious Listen, world that you're I, probably it, better I'm, off. With, you are. You're better I'm off. Better off. It. Good. I won't. Yeah, I won't you are. Try. I live on another planet. I'm convinced of all these things. <laughs> well, um, we're keeping you on this one because now you so, got to read Instagram. Or no, I'm going to read no, you. No, I don't. You have to tell me what it was on. That's, there you go. That's good enough for me. <laughs> there you go. What's well, on Instagram? So Instagram. Uh, we we did this episode a few episodes ago about the the assertion that Catholicism is the one true religion. So, I mean, if you haven't listened to it already, go uh, listen. But uh, this one uh, listener uh, was commenting on a comment you made. You said that the church grows by attraction. Our fundamental calling is to be a witness to the gospel through our joy, uh, by the way that we live our lives. Mm -hmm. And that was in response to this idea of evangelization and looking to convert people. And so, again, you said the church grows by attraction. And then the commenter said, but what about the Great Commission? What about mm. the fact that in that Jesus says, go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel? Don't just attract people to the gospel, actually preach it. So, yeah. Again, fair question. But again, preaching is not necessarily limited to words. Okay. Um, we have to speak. Obviously, we have to speak. Um, and we do. But at, at the same time, as we say what is meant by the gospel, we also have to demonstrate its veracity, its truth, its joy in the way that we live, right? And, 
and beauty, joy, a sense of hope that is attractive, that draws people, that draws people to us. And in this way, it collectively becomes that act of proclaiming the gospel, at the end of which we do hope that people will receive it and be converted and, and uh, become disciples. That, that in no way is that ever to be negated. But I mean, the, the apostles, they were pretty, I guess you could say old school in their way of preaching. They quite literally walked around the world that they knew yep. and preached. They weren't just living in communities that were appealing to people. They actually, I mean, preaching and, is... is a, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the church today is doing the same thing, please God. Okay. But what does that look like? What's it mean today to walk around in the world as it is to proclaim okay. the gospel? So the church stemming from what the apostles did, became implanted in different cultures, right? Invited people to worship, and in the context of worship, proclaimed. Now, in addition, we have this, uh, talk about Instagram, the whole social media world, those digital corridors, if I could put it that way, where the church has to be present, has to be present to proclaim, to, to sanctify. So it takes different forms, depending upon your, your societal or cultural context, but we must always be out there, as it were, um, proclaiming both in word and in deed uh, and in collective witness the truth of the gospel. Now, for a priest, for an archbishop, a bishop, explicitly preaching the gospel is is essential to your role. And it's sure. something that you do through the homilies. Sure. But, it, yeah, it's built in yep. to your life in a very, very practical weird. sense. Sorry. But for, for the laity, for a layperson, um, what is an example of a way that we can explicitly preach the gospel? Not just through attraction, but actually through yeah, preaching. I, you know what? I think of, my mind is going, and it's just one example, uh, the water cooler conversation. Right? If you're at work, okay. gather around the water cooler, and you could be talking about all sorts of different things. And and if there are cultural trends that, are, that people are wondering about, thinking about, um, that are actually antithetical to the gospel, and they get raised around, let's say, the water cooler, that's an opportunity for someone who's a Christian to say, you know what, I beg to differ, and here's why. Yeah. It takes some courage, right? But there, there are opportunities if our eyes are open where the Lord is giving us to say, no, this, this is who I am. Right? And, uh, yeah. um, I want you to know it. Yeah. All right, so another question from YouTube and this, this comment also was on the episode where we were speaking about Catholicism as the one true religion. And this particular comment is talking about the idea that all religions worship the same God. And uh, the comment, I, I'm simplifying it a little bit here, but it's more of a statement. It says, it is not true that we all worship the same God, period. Uh, and now it's slightly out of context, but you did say in that episode, we all worship the same God. Can you elaborate a little bit on what you meant about that and the distinctions that are tied to that statement? Uh, well, I'm not remembering exactly how I said it or in what context in that episode, but I would, I would simply say, um, if there is one God, then if we worship God, we're worshiping the one and the same God. Now, what is also though true at the same time is that if you look at the different religious traditions, they will have differing understandings of that one and the same God. And their differing understandings will impact the way that they worship and the way that they live. And that will obviously look and be very, very different. Um, the Christian, in the Christian dispensation, what we proclaim is that, yes, there is one God, and that comes to us from 
the Jewish tradition out of which Jesus was given to us, right? One same, one and the same God. There's, 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 there's not a multiplicity of gods. There's only one. But what we've learned from Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Father, is that this one God is triune. And understanding that we worship in the power of the Holy Spirit through, with, and in Christ to the Father. And our life, if we are living our faith uh, well and flowing from that understanding of the one God, as God has revealed and given himself to the world, um, should be reflective of that communal nature of God. We're made in the image and likeness of God, which means, therefore, that we are created for relationships, should always be living in communion and not at loggerheads with one another like we so much are days. What about religions that worship multiple gods? Well, obviously we would say that that is not the revelation that we have received from God himself. There's only one. There's only one God. Yeah. Now, in to elaborate on that further, when we're talking about we all worship the same God, one could use that statement, especially out of context, to to support the idea that all, especially all monotheistic religions are essentially the same. I mean, if we're all worshiping the one true God, then really does it matter if you're a Catholic or if you join Islam or if you become Jewish? Like, why, why, why become Catholic if, again, we're all worshiping the same God? Yeah, but what that neglects is that this one and the same God has, in fact, revealed himself, right? And he has revealed to us what true worship is and what it looks like. What true worship is and what it looks like is what we see on the cross, the total self-gift in love and in trust in obedience to our, to our loving Father who has made himself known in Jesus and who lives within us in virtue of the gift of the Holy Spirit. God has revealed himself mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ, and we cannot ignore that, and therefore how we worship the one true God needs to be reflective of what God himself has revealed to us about mm-hmm. how he wishes to be worshipped. So we have we have another question, a final question. This is via old school email, you know, not Instagram, right? Just, they're doing it the old fashioned way. Uh, this the comment is, "Hi, your grace. I am just wondering." Wait a minute. I just want to pause for a minute. <laughs> Let's just think about what Jenny just said. Email, old fashioned, right? Well, old fashioned. Old school. For me Did I the, say old fashioned? I said old school. You know, I think it's a little more gentle. Uh, even so, I, I mean, don't know. Old school, old fashioned for me is the rotary telephone. There you now, go. Now, well, we could set up what, one of those. What you are called upon to say right now is, "What's that?" I thought you were going to say what I'm called upon to say is, "I'm sorry, your grace." <laughs> <laughs> I just think of all the little kids that they get, get introduced to a rotary telephone and they say, "That is so cool." They How are really cool. Yeah, can I have one? There you, you know? go. Did you have one? And yes, of course yeah, I did growing up with the rotary telephone. And I know, so therefore I know how to use it. Okay, well, therefore you can show me. <laughs> See, there it is. There it is. All right, okay. Okay, so this, this email. email, this wonderful new technology. Uh, hi, Your Grace. Uh, I'm, I'm just wondering whether there is any discussion in the Archdiocese of Edmonton or by the CCCB to restore the order of sacraments of initiation for children. Uh, can you... Explain what this this particular person would mean by the or, the original order of the sacraments of initiation. Sure, what does that sure. mean? Um, no, no, that's a great question. Um, so when we talk about the order of the sacraments, we're talking about the order of sacraments of initiation, so baptism, Eucharist, confirmation. 
Now, for many of us, including yours truly growing up, you were baptized first, then you made your first communion, then later on you were confirmed. What's interesting, though, if you look at the, the rite of initiation for adults, what happens? Now, it can also happen in the same ceremony. Um, it's baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, Eucharist being the summit. So technically, the proper order of the sacraments of initiation is baptism followed by confirmation followed by the Eucharist. Wow. And that, in fact, governed the church's practice for a long, long time. Where it, diff- where it became different was in the early part of uh, the last century under Pius X, who really wanted to emphasize um, the centrality of the Eucharist in everyone's life, and therefore uh, he wanted people to receive their first communion as early as possible at what he called church calls the age of reason, which is around seven. And so what happened at that point was that um, the reception of First Communion was advanced to prior to confirmation in order to accede to the Pope's uh, directive at that particular time. And for many people since, that has become the experienced order. Yes. So in in that sense, both both are legitimate. The so it was in, it was that change was inspired by enthusiasm to get children to have yeah, Jesus under, as under, soon as possible. The tenth, that's right. Okay. So a, a, a beautiful instinct, right? A beautiful to introduce children as early as possible, right? To, to the receiving Jesus in Holy Communion, um, and so because of that, um, in a lot of places you'll hear discussion around. Well, should, should we just have one consistent practice? of having baptism, confirmation, baptism, confirmation, and then Eucharist, whether it's uh, initiation of adults or initiation of, of people who had been uh, baptized at infancy. Uh, it's a legitimate question. It's some, some dioceses have uh, sought to um, return to the order, as the, as the person put it. Um, either is legit, uh, given that particular history. So to, in answer to the first question, no, there's no consideration that I'm giving right now to restoring the order it might be something that we can look at in, in the future, but it's, it's not on the immediate horizon. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Thanks for that. That, that, that historical context is really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Okay, you're welcome. Of course. Welcome. Glad yeah. to do that. I was going to say, thanks for joining us. I mean, I'm joining <laughs> you, whatever, either way, both ways, but Here we are, whatever it is. Yes. Yeah. Great. So thanks everybody for watching. Hope you found it helpful along your your journey of faith please know that i'm praying for you and if you would be so kind as to pray for us also every blessing to you god bless